We are continuing our series, Spiritual Dominoes, and what we're really talking about are five catalysts of spiritual growth. We're going to talk about five things that increase our faith. Now, this is not a formula. We're not going to have like these five weeks of family gathers and you'll be able to, to do one, two, three, four, five, and then be super Christian and everything will be great. That's not what it is at all. But what it is, is church leaders and people who have listened to countless testimonies have found out there's some common ground in the life of a growing believer. And those things are these spiritual catalysts that push you deeper in your faith in Jesus. And so last week, if you were here, you heard Steve talk about providential relationships, those God-given friendships that strengthen you, that push you in the right direction. And I loved it when he said that, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. About who is it that is around you and who has God placed in your life that is speaking into you. And that was great. And this week we're gonna talk about personal ministry. This idea that we are not always takers, that we're givers. That we are not always attenders, but that we are ministers, all of us. Every one of us in this room is a minister, and I hope you feel that because you are uniquely gifted by God, and we are to use those gifts to further his kingdom. And so he is calling us into things, and sometimes they are very difficult things, and sometimes it's tough for us to think that we could even do those things, but he's calling us into those things because he's gifted us. He wants us to do that. First Peter chapter 4 It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And I hope you know that you have a gift from God. You probably have several gifts from God. And how are you using those? Ephesians chapter two, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. But oftentimes we don't feel like a masterpiece. I mean, I think we know that verse. We've probably heard that verse and maybe it's even been spoken over us, but we don't feel exactly like a masterpiece. And so when these opportunities arise, when God comes along and he's nudging us in a certain direction, we're like, I'm not ready for that. I can't do that. I've got a million reasons, God, why that's not me. And we're going to break down what those excuses are a little bit this morning and, and read a story from scripture. Now, it is Family Gathers Month, which means a couple great things happen, and and one is that the children are in the service and usually a part of the service. If you were here last week, Pastor Steve read a children's story, and that was great, but this week, uh, kids, I want you to know, as you're coming up here this week, I'm going to ask you to help me participate in the Bible story that I'll be telling. So some of you will act along, most of you will just come up and hang out. So kids, if you come, and here's how I will bribe you, fruit snacks. So kids, come on up here. Uh, you, you need to come. Evan's going to come and help. And Oh, look at that, right away. Yeah, come on up here. It's okay. Get your fruit snacks. Don't think that there's too much pressure. You're not going to have to like do something that's super awkward. But if you would sit kind of on this side of the stage, uh, that would be great. Um, oh, you guys, you're doing so great. Come on down. It's good. Now, um, For the rest of you, I can see already that you have fruit snack envy. I get that. I see that. So uh, ushers, if you'd come down and if you'd pass out fruit snacks for the rest of the people so they don't whine during the sermon. Yeah. And actually, one of my favorite parts about family gathers is is this. For the next five. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Can you you want to come over here? (laughs) It was like a hit and run. 
I just got hit and run. That was good. Yeah, come on. You look good in that thing. Yeah. Okay, so just come and find a seat wherever you are. Once you have your fruit snack, go ahead and sit down. Did you guys all get fruit snacks? Are you sharing? Maybe. All right, if, I, if I'm nice, I'll share. All right, everybody got a fruit snack? I have one extra. Did you get a fruit snack? Did you want one or not? I'll eat it. Like, did you get, there you go. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So, so what we're going to do is, um, we're going we're gonna to read a story from scripture and you guys are going to help us act it out. Now, as you can see, there's, there's a couple costumes, but the rest of you, all of you who are kind of sitting here on the floor and some of you are getting some great military garb, you guys are, you're the army. You got that? Your army. So let me see your tough army faces. Let me see them. Let me hear you growl a little bit. <laughs> it sounded more like a purr. Let me hear you growl, army. Urgh. Let me, urgh. Urgh. That's good. I'm scared. Okay. And, uh, and here, this is God, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, you'll be playing God for now. Is there anything you'd like to say to your parents now that you're God? No. No? Okay. All right. I mean, this is your chance. <laughs> no, all right, but don't let it go to your head. And then um, this here, this is going to be Gideon. You're going to be Gideon for us? Yes. Oh, sweet. Nice. Don't hurt yourself with that sword. Okay. So I just want to give you a little background, and then I'm going to read the story. You're going to help me act it out a little bit, and it's, it's going to be perfect. Trust me. Uh, so here's the background. You see, the Israelites, they were in a bad way. Bad stuff was going on. As a matter of fact, uh, there was this group of people called the Midianites, and they were cruel people. They were mean. They were angry. And they did not like the Israelites. They, they came in and they took over their land. And the Israelites were scared. And so they had to head for the hills. They were living in caves and hiding behind rocks and climbing trees to get away from Midianites. And anytime that the Israelites would plant their crops, the Midianites would come in and they would take over everything. As a matter of fact, Israel was reduced to starvation, it says. And then they cried out to God, and God heard their cry. And that's kind of the story that we're going to talk about, is all this bad stuff was going on for the nation of Israel. They cried out to God, and God was going to send somebody to deliver them. So the person that God sent was Gideon. Gideon, can you stand up for us? Yeah, oh yeah. That's a good look for you, that coat. That's nice. If you need to borrow that later, feel free. You got some kind of formal going on anytime. All right. Once upon a time, there was a young man named Gideon. He wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the strongest. But he was chosen by God to do big things. So one day as Gideon was, oh yeah, one day as Gideon was hanging out, yeah, that's a nice beard, he was singing to himself. He was humming, he was humming to himself. And and dancing. And he was dancing. He was doing some jazzercise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. All of a sudden, he noticed a heavenly being was there. And he was shocked. No, he didn't kill himself. <laughs> Not a, but he was shocked. <gasps> there you go. Yes, yes. And the Lord said to Gideon, mighty hero. Mighty hero. Can you get a little lower, fierce, like, mighty hero? Let me hear you. Mighty hero. Yes. All right. (laughs) So the Lord said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Very good. Very good. 
Yes. Now, Gideon laughed. <laughs> like a mad scientist. And he said, if God is with us, how come things are so bad? If God is with us, how are things so bad? Right. Close enough. And so the Lord replied, it's going to get good, and I'm sending you. It's going to get it's going to get good with you. Right. <laughs> yes. But Gideon, now Gideon was nervous. He had a bunch of excuses, right? He was a little bit scared. So he said, I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm small. I'm small. I failed my martial arts class. Failed my uh, martial arts class. Yes. <laughs> and my stomach hurts. The classic kid uh, excuse. Uh, wait, my what? stomach hurts. Oh, my stomach hurts. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> But the Lord said, I will be with you. I will be with you. Yes. Now, Gideon, he wasn't too sure about this whole plan. He began to pace around nervously. There you go. Great job. He was so nervous. He, he was like, man, I, I can't believe God is asking me to do this big thing. And the tension was getting to him. So he did some jumping jacks to relieve the tension that looked a lot like Michael Jackson dancing. <laughs> Gideon wasn't sure he was the right guy for the job, but... He decided that he needed to move forward. So he blew his trumpet. Oh, wait, we have one for you. Right there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> that was really good. You've got quite a future. And all of the army cheered. <laughs> and one of the army cheered. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Ready? And all of the army cheered. Yes. And then they did the wave. Just checking, but you guys are doing great. All right. So Gideon, now the leader of this new army, realizes that the job before him is big. So he, come over here. he comes over to the narrator. <laughs> Just jump right through there. See, because what he's going to do is he still doesn't know if he's the right guy. So Gideon's going to take off this really sweet coat. And he's going to make this bargain Wow, good job. He's going to make this bargain with God. You see, Gideon is saying, God, you've got to prove this to me. So if it's you speaking, God, I want this sweet coat wet in the morning and everything else dry. And that's what he asked God. And God says, okay. Okay. Right. So everybody fell asleep and snored. You. you too. Oh, you're asleep. Yeah. Sorry. Then everybody woke up. Sorry about that. Send the bill to Evan. Okay. And he was shocked to find out that, as he said, the, the sweet coat was all wet and everything else was dry. Now, he still was like, okay, God, that was a pretty cool trick. Uh, but this time, God, I want everything else wet and my coat dry because I have to wear that out later. And God said... Okay. Okay. So everybody fell asleep and snored. Let me hear you snoring this time. What? We got to get that thing dry. <laughs> and when he woke up the next morning, he was shocked again. Because everything else was wet and his really sweet coat was all dry now. Yes. And then he said, God... If you can do that, can you get me some Krispy Kremes? 
And God said, okay. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Now we're going to pause here because we're going to tell the rest of the story later on in the message, but we had to get this information out. Thank you guys so much. You did great. So good. You can, you can find your way back to your seat. If you want to take your trash with you, that's great. Save us time later. But if you don't, you can leave it and Gideon will get it. Just kidding. Oh, I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. God wants the mic. <laughs> she keeps saying okay. That was good. Thanks, guys. You did a great job. I very much appreciate you helping me act out that Bible story. Now, I want to take a look at the rest of this Gideon story, but I want to look at what God was asking Gideon. So Judges chapter 6, verse 14. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Pay attention. Because it could get ugly in here if you don't. All right. So can we put Judges chapter 6 up there on the screen? And uh, here's what God's asking Gideon. The Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. God's like, Gideon, I, I need you to lean in. I, I need you to do this thing, and it's going to be you. Let's, let's get this done. And Gideon responds, how? He's like, are you kidding me? That's, there's no way. That's absolutely impossible. So he begins with, with this excuse, right? Because Gideon is totally feeling inadequate. He says, right after God says this in verse 15, Gideon replies, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. He's given this excuse. He's saying, God, listen, there's a lot of tribes, you know, we got a dozen tribes, and, and my tribe isn't the biggest. And then within the tribes, we have them broken down into clans, and my clan is the least of those. And then my family's kind of the least in the clan, and I'm the least in my family. Basically, what he's saying is this, God, great people can do great things, and average people, they do average things, but little people, we do little things. That, that's not for me. I'm inadequate for the job that you're calling me to. He's got these excuses. His, his faith is small. He doesn't really trust in the God that's calling him because we know, as we saw beautifully portrayed in this story, that he has the fleece out. And he says to God, he says, God, if you're calling me, you got to prove it. Prove it to me by doing this. That's what he says in verse 37. In verse 39, after God proves it to him, he says, okay, that was really cool, God, but I have one more test that you need to pass here if I'm going to do this thing. And it's amazing that God comes alongside this man and says, I'm going to use you to rescue the nation. And he's like, ah, it's not me. But he's not the only one to give excuses in the Bible. He's not the only hero of the faith that when the time comes, backs away. When we look at Exodus and, and we see Moses, Moses tells God, wait a second, who am I to do this, God? You're calling me to do this big thing. You want me to lean in. But who am I? Who am I to stand before Pharaoh? He goes on to say, I, I get tongue-tied. I don't have the right words to speak. I don't know what to say. And then eventually in Exodus chapter 4, he says this. He pleads with God. He says, Lord, please send anyone else. Anybody else would do. When God comes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, I want you to do this for me. Jeremiah says, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. When God comes to Amos, says, Amos, I have this thing that I want you to do. Amos replies, I'm not a professional prophet. 
I've never been trained that way. I'm a shepherd. I do shepherd things, not prophet things. Even in the New Testament, in Luke chapter five, Jesus performs this miracle and he calls the disciples to himself and Peter responds this way, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you, Jesus. Please leave me. And almost when you read scripture, you're coming to this place where you're like, I'm just waiting for somebody to be like, okay, God, I'm in, I'll do it. You ask, I'm in, let's go. But we don't always see that. We see these excuses. And I think their excuses are the same excuses that we use. Moses was like, I, I don't talk very well in front of people. I don't, I don't have the right words to say. God, what if they ask me questions and they're deep questions and I don't know the answers to them? God, I, I, I'm not very good at speaking. Find somebody else. Or Jeremiah, I'm, I'm too young. I don't have enough life experience yet to do what you're asking me to do. When I get that life experience, when I get a little bit older, and then I'll be able to do it. Amos, he's like, I'm not a professional, right? I, I, I haven't been trained for this. We've got professional Christians and amateur Christians, apparently. The professional Christians work at the church. That's why we hire them. They're supposed to do the professional Christian stuff. And the amateur Christians, they say, okay, you go professional Christians, right? That's not, I mean, that was his thing. I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a professional. Even Peter, his response was, I, I'm a sinner. Like, God, you're, you're asking me to do this thing. You're asking me to lean in. You're asking me to follow. But apparently you forgot all of this stuff that I've done in my past. All of this sin, all of these bad things. Have you noticed these? So you should probably just move on. And these are the same excuses that we use. And when we feel like God's nudging us, we have these default settings where we're like, okay, I'll, I'll pray about that. Or I'll think about that really hard. Or I'll talk to other people about that. But we're afraid to lean in. And I think we're afraid to lean in because we don't feel like we're equipped to do what God is calling us to do. We feel like, okay, when I am fully ready, then I will jump in. But the Reality is, we'll never be fully ready. And God calls us when we're not fully ready. I mean, look at Gideon. His faith was small. His courage was failing. His credentials were non-existent. And God's like, you're the guy I'm gonna use. You see, God isn't looking for perfect people. God's not looking for fully equipped people. God is looking for obedient people. And the question isn't really, can I or can't I but will I? Will I do that for God? Gideon tries to get out of it. He's like, I, I just don't think. Go back to that verse, that Judges uh, 6 verse. It is impossible. When you look at that, you're like, there's no way. No wonder Gideon said that. Unless you have that end piece. Unless you have I am sending you. God's like, yeah, I, I'm the one sending you. That's the piece of this you have to remember, right? Go with the strength you have. I'm the strength you have. I'm the one that's sending you. You see, we only have to do what we can do, knowing that God is gonna do what only he can do. We only have to do what God has called us to do, knowing that God's gonna show up and God's gonna do something big on the end of it. It's this whole, God, I can't do it, but you can do it. And this requires us to take a step of faith. 
When we feel that nudge in our lives, when we feel like God is pushing us to do this ministry that is way bigger than we could possibly imagine, it's a step of faith for us. You see, the issue with Gideon wasn't whether or not he could do it, really. It wasn't whether or not the task would even go undone. Could God have raised someone else up besides Gideon? Absolutely. He could have. But he wanted Gideon to do it. He wanted Gideon to be obedient. He wanted to strengthen Gideon's faith. He wanted Gideon to lean in and partner with him for the rescue of the nation. And it's the same way with us. It's the same way with our gifts. It's the same way when God comes and he asks us to do certain things. He's saying, you know what? Yeah, could other people do the things God is asking us to do? Sure, absolutely. But God is asking them of us because he wants to strengthen our faith. He wants us to lean in to who he is. He wants us to be obedient. Andy Stanley in his book, Deep and Wide, he says this, ministry makes people's faith bigger. If you wanna increase someone's confidence in God, put them in a ministry position before they feel fully equipped. That's good, right? That we need to be in a position where we're like, I can't do this on my own. I can remember interviewing for a youth pastor job and the, uh, the lead pastor of the church said, uh, you know what, I think you can do this job on your own. And I was like, great, <laughs> I can do this job on my own. And he goes, that's a bad thing. And it took me a minute. He said, I think you can do it on your own, which means you're not gonna be as reliant upon God as you need to be. And I was like, oh, that is a bad thing. That God wants us in these great positions so that we rely on him because he is gonna blow us away with what he does. You see, God comes along and he always does more than we could possibly imagine. That's the, that's the Gideon story, right? Gideon has this army, and, and by no means is it a large army, uh, but it's over 30,000 people, and as they are marching towards where the Midianites are, God's like, you know what, there's too many of you. Uh, we need to get rid of these numbers, or you're going to think you did this on your own. So God tells Gideon, tell the army, any of them that are scared, they can go home. So Gideon says that. Two-thirds of the army leaves. <laughs> the few, the proud, the scared. Uh, so two-thirds of the army leaves. So he's left with this, and he's like, all right, this is good. Maybe we can work this out. And they come to this brook, and, and people drink. And some people just stick their face in the water, and some people scoop it up. And the people that stuck their face in the water, uh, God was like, you can let them go too. And Gideon's like, nope. Leaves him with 300. 300 people. Long before there was the movie 300, we have Gideon and his 300 men. And God says, okay, now you're ready. Now I'm ready to use you. But he's so gracious to Gideon. He said, if you're still nervous about this, I want you to go down. I want you to sneak into the Midianite camp. I want you to listen at a tent. It's gonna be good. So of course, Gideon does that. He sneaks down at night and there's these two guys talking on the inside of the tent and the one's like, hey, you know what? I had this crazy dream. And the other one's like, tell me about it. And he goes, well, I dreamed that there was this, this round uh, barley loaf that rolled down the hill and into the camp and knocked over a tent. And the other guy goes, that can only mean one thing. Which is such a great response, right? That can only mean one thing. Gideon and the Israelites are going to defeat us Midianites. That's what he said. I'm like, that's the one thing? How do you make that leap? Because uh, I'm like, I think it means you're hungry. Or go to Great Harvest or something like that. I don't know what that means, but... That can only mean one thing. So Gideon goes back with this confidence that God is going to move, that God is working. And he takes the men out and they break up into three groups and they surround the Midianites and 
They blow their trumpets. They shout for the Lord and for Gideon, break clay pots, raise torches, and all the Midianites start fighting amongst themselves. And Gideon just gets to watch and chase. God comes along and secures that victory. It's Ephesians 3.20. It's, God does immeasurably more than we could ask or even think. And it's his power at work in us. And when we come to situations where God is asking us to lean in, we don't always think more, we think less. We think less of ourselves, we think less of our circumstances, and so we don't. But I wanna tell you this morning that we gotta start thinking more, and here's how I would say it. First off is this, you are more influential than you think. And I want you to hear that. You are more influential than you think. We oftentimes are like Gideon. We tend to downplay our abilities and our contributions, but God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I mean, if we're sitting in this place, we're sitting in this sanctuary because there were people who went before us who used their time and talents and resources and leaned in and obeyed God even though they didn't feel like they had it all together. And we are benefiting from that. You are more influential than you think. In June, took a bunch of high schoolers down to uh, Lake Shasta for our summer camp. I've mentioned it to you before. We do houseboats and ski boats and suffer for Jesus for a week on, on the lake. It's hard. Uh, and we had a great week. And this past year, we took two nurses with us. And uh, they're great, highly qualified, and uh, it was great to have them there. But what they did most of the week was apply Band-Aids and aloe vera, Right? That's, kids would stub their toe, okay, here's a Band-Aid, okay, you got sunburned, here you go, it's gonna be okay, that kind of thing, right? All week, they did a great job, but it wasn't really exactly their skill set or what they were trained to do. But at the end of the week, as we were leaving, all five houseboats were coming back to the dock, and uh, they were coming at different stages, and mine got there first, so I start unloading stuff with the kids, so this whole long line of dock is just full of kids taking their bags to the trailer. Well, as I'm walking back to the boat, one of the kids comes running at me screaming, Somebody up here is dying. Get help. And it totally freaked me out because I was like, okay, she didn't say if it was one of our kids or not. I didn't know. So I go running up, and it's not one of our kids. It's a, a boat that kind of had come in uh, aside from our group. And just as that boat had come into the dock, our houseboat with our two nurses came in. They pulled this guy up. He was having a seizure. And these nurses just jumped out and went to work, slid in on their knees, cleared the airway, started the compressions, and they were going. And I'm standing there watching this thing unfold. And it's just absolutely amazing, right? And, and my whole job is like, I have nothing to offer this. I, I got, I've got nothing. I'm, like, I'm a professional Christian, <laughs> right? That's what I have to offer. And I'm telling kids to stand back. And they're going at it. And honestly, this is going on for a while. And they're 50, 60 compressions in. And this guy's turning blue. He's not breathing. And they get 80, 90, 100 compressions in. And I'm like, it's over. And all of a sudden, this guy goes, <gasps> and sits up. And they brought this guy back to life. And I'm just like, that's amazing. And so I'm like, you two are my heroes. That is so cool. And then I thought, I can't imagine if they didn't come? What if they had been like, ah, that's just not our thing? I, I don't really, you know, it's a, it's a vacation week. So why, I need vacation. I'm not gonna go work on vacation. And, and uh, I just don't really fit in with high school students. And I, it's just hard to talk to them. What if they hadn't come? What if they hadn't served? What if they hadn't used their gifts? What if we don't? 
What if we don't lean in? What if we don't use our gifts? You are more influential than you think. The second thing is that there's more on the line than you think. And I think we need to remember that. You see, for Gideon, it was the rescue of a nation. For these nurses, it was saving this guy's life. But we talk ourselves out of things so much because we're like, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. God's asking me to do this, but it's just, it's not a big deal. Listen, God isn't just sending us on mindless errands, okay? God's not like, hey, while you're in town, can you pick up my laundry? It's the big white robe. You can't miss it. (laughs) He's not doing that. When God is asking us to do something, it's an important thing and it's to further his kingdom and it's to strengthen our faith and we need to be tuned into that. We need to listen to that. I truly believe that that there are words of health and healing and hope that will never get spoken unless you speak them. And there are deeds of kindness and compassion that will never get done unless you do them. God is calling us into very real things that have very real consequences. There is more on the line than you think. Also, there's more happening than you will ever know. And I just wanna remind you that sometimes we think that that this is the picture. We think when God's asking us, it's all about this, but we gotta have a bigger picture. God's like, listen, I just want you to do this, but when you tap that domino, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna do this, and it's gonna go, and so many other things are gonna happen that we'll never even know about. There's, There's more happening around this world than we'll ever know. This past year for my youngest daughter's birthday, She was sending out her invitations, and on them she wrote, I don't want you to give me a gift. I want you to bring money, and we're gonna donate it. And she wrote this organization that she knows about in Africa that helps needy kids. And I was like, that is cool. And she gets that from her mother. (laughs) But it was so great seeing all of these kids come to this party with just donations, and it was so great to have my daughter be able to just call up this lady and be like, yeah, you know, at my birthday, I just raised this amount, and I want you to give it to these kids in Africa, and she'll never know the impact that that has, but she does know that the world is bigger than just that area that she stands in, that there's bigger things that God's going to affect through your ministry in your place where you live, and finally, I would say this. There is more standing behind you than you could possibly imagine. And I just want us to remember that it all happens because of the hand of God. It's not our own strength. We have a mighty God and a mighty Savior standing with us, and he gets it done. You know, it's like this cartoon, this Garfield cartoon. Uh, In the first panel, you know, he swipes, and then he's all proud of himself in the second one, like, oh, pretty scary, pretty convincing if I do say so. But what are people scared of? The lion behind him, right? It's not about him. It's not about his you know, big, forceful personality. It's what stands behind him that's important. You see, God gets the credit. Gideon did not write a book on military strategy. You know, how to save money on ammunition. Use torches and clay jars, right? Because honestly, this is not a Gideon story. It's a God story. There's not, it's not the Brian story, it's the God story. It's not our own individual stories. It's a God story that we get to be a part of it. And God is sending us out into that. Like the Great Commission says, says go and make disciples and teach. And I'm sending you and I will be with you always. That's the God we serve. And so God wants to grow our faith and further his kingdom through the things that he's built into us. So what are we gonna do with those things? 
Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're having this tug of war with God in your head where you feel like God has been asking you to do a certain thing and you've come up with a million excuses as to why you are not the person to do that thing. Maybe this morning you finally say, okay, God, I'm in. I'll do it. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna walk in this way and trust you with that. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have no idea. I don't even know what my gifts are. I don't know what I should be doing. We're gonna take a minute and pray about that as well. Families, maybe you gather together with your kids at lunch and you say, hey, what can we do as a family to bless somebody else? What can we do that's bigger than us, that's outside of our comfort zone? How do we do that to serve? So here's what I want to do. I I want you to... uh, just pray with me. But I wanna give you some time at the beginning to pray those things. If it's the tug of war, then, then you need to pray about that. If it's I have no idea, then you need to pray about that. If maybe you're serving and you guys serve so well, maybe it's a different direction or further equipping for that. I want you to pray about that. And I'm gonna close this in just a minute.